prior to regrow, I had been really into the data and AI space uh, and all of the different uh, radical businesses that are stemming off of AI uh, that continue to this day um, to disrupt foundational businesses. Um, and then when you think about regrow, you know, disrupting the agriculture space uh, and then kind of learning more about the ag space in general from, you know, the history of it, like the, the real innovation uh, in the last 70 years has been, you know, really a renaissance period in this area. And it's a little longer tail than like the AI spurt that we're seeing. Um, but, you know, co combining AI with, um, you know, honestly, what's been the innovation that's going on in agriculture and then com combining that with saving the planet um, and making sure that we can, you know, really, really have a much better footprint um, and the technology can be used for good. It was very, very uh, applicable uh, to making the decision. So, you know, that, I mean, many other reasons uh, that I can kind of stem from in terms of like where, where we grow sits uh, in terms of the maturity in the market, the momentum in the space that I'm sure we can get into, but you know, the more more research I did and the layers in this in this area, um, it's more meaningful to disrupt this space than any other space that I can find out there. So, um, and, and I'm seeing it seeing it prove out uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I I feel like if you if someone asked me what are the two like major waves kind of running through like our generation right now, it's AI and and it's climate, mm -hmm. and those two can work together. And 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 if you you know double tap into climate, what is one of the biggest opportunities? It's ag. I mean, it, it it's energy, it's ag. I mean, those are two of the biggest. So yep. if you can do something and combine that there, I mean, I'm with you. There's there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Regrow is one of them. So what um, you, you mentioned some of the other interesting aspects in terms of like where the business is, where it sits uh, in the category, that type of thing. Like how, how would you uh, explain that to somebody maybe who's outside the industry, how, what would you, how would you explain regrow? And then how would you say like, this is where we're at kind of on our, on our journey or, or whatever? Yeah. So I think that I'm, I kind of alluded to the, the innovation in the last 70 years or so, like, but um, I mean, we have gotten really, really efficient with feeding people. Right. I mean, I think that the, the latest stat that I heard was 1950s, there was 2 billion people uh, in the world. Uh, and now we're at 8 billion. Right. And at 1950s, it was like half, like one in two um, people were actually fed uh, and the rest were um, <laughs> not fed, I guess, for the better lack of a better way of saying it. Uh, and now we're from with the eight billion, we're close to 95 percent in terms of you know feeding the population. So the more we grow, the more efficiency we need uh, and then the more that damage that does the environment in, in um the way we've been kind of doing practice uh, on our agriculture practices. So the emission factor is, is being the main factor. So um, when I talk to folks about, you know, regrow and what we're doing, I mean, we go from a AI computer vision satellite um, type of model and join that with a soil-based scientific model to really combine uh, credibility in a science-based way on giving brands um the tools on understanding exactly what's in uh, their supply sheds and if they don't know the data we can supply it uh, we can clean the data they, they currently have and supply that with uh actual you know um, information to enact different practices they can do to um to save the environment so all on the regenerative agriculture space all on crop types could be different um, different ways of going about that but these brands in general have the intention to do things, right? But it's the action and the vehicle that they really need um, to get closer to their net zero goals. And so 
when I talk to folks that um, whether it's I'm recruiting them or um, talking to customers, customers kind of get it anyways. They're finally kind of realizing that there's a vehicle to get them from point A to point B. Um, and then when I talk to candidates about, you know, the fact that there is a there is an awareness kind of play that already exists. It's the action and the execution. And so from a business standpoint, every customer that you bring on board um, is one step closer to really kind of reversing what we're putting out in the air. And how empowering is that for you as an individual to do that um, and also do your job effectively? It's just, you know, extra motivation uh, to kind of point um, and connect the dots as to uh, how, how you can affect the planet. Yeah, that's cool. Whenever you're, when you get a chance to talk with customers and you're having these conversations with these kind of enterprise level CPG brands and retail, what are the, where are they at? Like what, what's their pain point that they're trying to resolve? Uh, are they being reactive? Or are they being proactive? Is, or is it an opportunity that they see and they want to get ahead? Like where, and maybe it's all of the above, but like, where are they at when you, when you're talking with them? Mostly confused. I think that it's, uh, you go, I think when I first started, I was at a, an event and uh, I may have talked to you about this already, but it was like the, you had folks on a panel and they're like, all right, well, I'm the expert in the space talking about this, but I really don't know anything about it. Right. And I don't know where we should go, but they're the, I'm the best option that we have in terms of folks that we talk about it. So just it's, it's mind boggling to me that, that there is, there's such a huge need for visionary, um, uh, whether it's technology companies or brands to kind of really lead the way uh, into making this something that's a reality. And so I think there's a you know, five to 10 brands in CPG, same thing in like retail um, that are kind of leading the way in the initiative and everywhere else, everyone is kind of looking at those folks uh, to make the right choice and path, and then they're going to join, you know? And so that's a huge opportunity. And even if the crossing the chasm example, like this is not necessarily the same thing as most markets are, where you you can help these five brands move from point A to point B, and then you'll have a slew of others kind of uh, following. And we're seeing that um, as well. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily the the leaders of this that are the bravest. It's the the next um, um, batch of followers that really kind of t take on that that risk as well. Um, but the value proposition is not necessarily data collection uh, for some of these these top brands because they have data. It's almost like data correction, and it's really kind of taking um, the existing data they have and really completing the sentence as to what they could do um, if they were to enact certain practices. Uh, and the other aspect of it is, is having being a um, a key vehicle um, for you know these these large procurement um, supply chains um, that have a ease of supplier management and understand what their supplier, uh, the supply sheds are and how they can make uh, better choices and be more efficient in the process as well. And so, you know, that's, that's a lot of that, um, uh, what we see in terms of a value proposition, uh, and then getting to their net zero goals quicker. You know, that's something that's not like necessarily a light switch, um, for the people behind the scenes that regrow, but way more, uh, way closer to that than, uh, the alternative out there. Yeah. Do you, do you meet some and some that say, "Hey, look, we've we uh, we're ahead of more ahead than most. We've got a playbook, and this is how you fit into our playbook, and we need you to help <clears> us <throat> with X, Y, and Z." Or, or is it more often where they're like, "We still don't exactly know what to do, but we got this goal, and we're trying to figure out how to get there." And oh, you guys seem to have a playbook. What what can you do for us? What which one yeah. is it? Yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of a analogy that's that's I have a map, and I know where I I need to go. I'm going from San Francisco to Chicago. 
Um, but I don't know how to get there. I can't, I can't do it walking. If I do it walking, I won't get there in time. Right. And then they look at regrow as a vehicle uh, to get them there faster. You know, whether that's going to be a plane or a train or an automobile, uh, you know, that depends on how much data they have uh, and how quickly they can enact that. Uh, so, um, but that's part of the fun stuff uh, is getting there. So they know kind of where they need to go, but they have no clue on uh, the wagons they need to kind of uh, circulate to get there. So, uh, So that's kind of the odd thing. It's usually as, as in sales, you're like, you're manufacturing like a critical event and you're saying, you know, okay, you have, you have this need, but you know, when do you need it by and let's create that critical event for you. Uh, with this one, you know, these companies publicly state their critical event uh, and they, they're bold in making these claims. Um, and it's just that they have to show traction, real tangible traction of actually making um, movements to that goal. Yeah. Well, even with what you're doing, I mean, you, you got to keep momentum up and you got to show traction yourself with what you guys are trying to accomplish. If you think back uh, of some things that you guys have uh, were able to kind of accomplish so far with your time there, are there things that you're you know kind of proud of <clears throat> that you've been able to get past and you, okay, now we're on to the next thing. Is there anything that looking backwards, you're like, okay, we got past that one. Um, I think that, you know, predating me, I think we've done, we've been a scrappy startup that's really managed, managed to <clears throat> partner with major brands like General Mills and Cargill and become an integral part of their strategy. And so, which is really, it sounds kind of cliche in a way, but like I've been in these, these meetings before I've been in enterprise partnerships where it's multi-millions in terms of that engagement but there's a level of uh, you feel like you're a part of their strategy here uh, as opposed to a vendor. Uh, and that's where I think it's, you know, kudos to uh, the regrow team in terms of just really being hyper uh, vigilant on, you know, not just like listening to the needs, but really partnering, challenging, you know, being provocative and how we can get from uh, get these companies uh, closer to their goals, what they need to. Uh, and then really kind of be a sound strategy sounding board as to where we go next. Um, and I've been involved in those conversations and it feels like you're sitting belly up with, with peers and counterparts at the same company. Um, and I've, I've, I've always strived to build those relationships with, uh, with client, clients and customers. Um, but the fact that it's, it's a reality here and you feel it uh, is, is, um, is, is a great testament, not only to the, you know, the vision of like, we feel like we're connected on, on not just making more money, but like making the planet better. You feel that in like a mission uh, in all these conversations, um, pervasive, uh, that everyone's motivated in the same thing. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, do you think that's a function of the goal that everybody's rallied around that has a specific date to it? Or is it just the nature of that's what survival of the business is going to be is to work with these major partners and we got to be along with, is it both of those mm -hmm. things or? There is a uh, unified, you know, movement of, of like uh, at least the science community about coming together and solving the problem. So it's, it's less about, so it came from like an open source type of modeling. Everyone's using the same models to kind of use. And now there's a little bit of privatizing that we have one of those models that used to be open. Now it's private. Um, and I think that's a good thing um, because it actually moves uh, things forward. Sometimes when it's open, it just stays in the research community, uh, and that's that's where it's that's where it's uh, uh, it, it sits. <clears throat> so, but you still have that connectedness um, and less like sharky kind of competitive landscape where even if you see a competitor of you know, regrow as an example, 
it's competitive, but we're all trying to win the race together. Um, you know, hopefully we'll be first and you'll be second, but you know, it's still like the same, like we want them on the podium together. Uh, and so I feel like that's the, the type of, um, the type of feeling that you get in the room in general, that it's something that we're all kind of joined at, but there's also a, who has time for that type of approach because there is so much to be done where there's kind of a ticking clock mentality. Uh, so if we, you know, if we release a feature in eight months, um, as opposed to four months, there is obviously business ramifications to that, <clears throat> but there's climate consequences to that as well. And so it kind of establishes a sense of urgency on top of urgency as well that exists. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying it's not wrought with, with um, folks that are, you know, adjacent on the sidelines looking to capitalize on a lot of what's going on out there. I mean, there's still uh, those folks there, but I think, you know, you partner with the, the folks that are pure of heart, if you will, uh, and you're able to, to, to clear out that noise. When, when you're talking with somebody who's a prospective uh, partner here with this, are there hesitations that they have that they're just kind of unsure of that you're able to, you know, that they're probably going to have, and you, you can kind of put those to rest. Um, and, and in those conversations, when do you know, like, oh, they get it. Like this is, they understand what this can do, what problems it solves for them, how it gets them closer to their goal. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I think that they're hopeful in the conversation when they come into it. Um, and I think that the space in general is like uh, is, you know, there's a lot of players in the in, in the in the in the space from a technology and satellite imagery side that are they're doing enough. Um, but I guess it's just like, you know, from the folks that we're talking uh, to, it's do you have a, that good marriage between science and technology? And science is not something and technology really isn't either. But for the sake of this argument, science has more of a longer tail uh, that you need research and you need kind of like studies and you need people dedicated to this topic in general for quite some time. Uh, and so I think that explaining that kind of scientific method without kind of making people's eyes go cross-eyed uh, to ensure that it's something that's based on credibility is really important to the folks that we talk to. Uh, in addition to you know the technology and the dashboards and the product itself, which make it easy for folks to kind of understand and and see that they can actually put this in action. But I would say the most important thing that customers have or prospects have in this case when they come into the conversation is really you know questioning the science and the rigor um, behind that science, uh, so they can trust the technology. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what does this What does this do for individual growers? Like what, what is it, what is it? And what's in it for them? Like what, why should they be happy that this exists and uh, it could be available to them? Well, I think that for any kind of relationship these growers have with, you know, they're, they're the brands that support or the, you know, the agribusiness that kind of funds the business in some ways, there's a lot of, you know, talk about carbon credits and uh, and I think this is the second wave of that uh, as well. And so there's a little bit of like burn, burned once or fool me once, you know, uh, it's my fault kind of thing. Uh, and so coming into it and you're looking at generations of practices that are being changed and change is always hard. But when you're talking about family legacies and deep rooted, um, you know, systems that have been in place for for decades, and you're going to be the individual that's going to be either the hero or the villain, that's quite the choice. Uh, and so I think that trust is is really important for growers. 
um, and not being kind of enamored with how much money you can make and all that kind of stuff, all that it helps to make sure you have uh, a sustainable you know, business for yourself to feed your family. Um, but knowing that you're going in the right direction and you're not going to be kind of led in a way that's going to make you the villain. Uh, and, you know, and the villain in this case is, you know, uh, family legacy. It's different than just losing your job. This is more important to those folks. Uh, and so I think that having some sort of a uh, recognition that they're being led in the right way and the change is not only something that's just for good for the climate, but it also is safe and makes them more profitable in the process understanding that that is something that's not just talk. It's something that really can apply uh, to them. So, yeah. So I think anything from a grower's perspective, it's, you know, it's skepticism at the beginning, because there's tons of, tons of salespeople trying to, to sell them a bag of goods that, um, you know, is more, more uh, akin to snake oil than anything else. Yeah. Have you found that there's certain uh, aspects about regrow that really help that trust come across like that? The trust is there because of X, Y, and Z. They see it and they're like, oh, this is different. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that there's, uh, we have a product that's called, it's just an MRV product and it's basically um, helps growers enroll um, in certain practices, which uh, a project developer kind of puts in place and funds the project itself. And in this is a, you know, a, a nice, easy to use interface where farmers can enter what they're going to do and, and, and at the end of their growing season, be able to apply a scorecard that Regrow gives them. Um, and then that goes into an auditor and then that auditor kind of um, gets the carbon uh, credit from there. So being removed from that final uh, process, uh, I think is really important to ensure that we have um, a more of a, a neutral ground on verifying what they did is correct, as opposed to, you know, being the judge and the jury uh, and making sure that there's checks and balances in place to um, get the best kind of outcome. I yeah. think that's really, really important, especially in this, in the carbon markets to have that kind of assurance that there's, there's steps removed um, and you can trust the, the platform to do what the platform is supposed to be doing. And then, you know, the other side of things, they can, uh, they can also be neutral in the fact that they're verifying what they need to. I think that's really, really crucial as we kind of move into these next few years where I think carbon uh, is going to be in more scrutinized than it already has been and rightfully so. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's, it's, in some ways, it's a little bit like simple accounting practices. You know, some some people shouldn't be handling these checks and things like that, because yeah. even an honest person, every once in a while, in a moment of weakness, might fudge yeah. something here and there, right? Like, it, well, it just round that with, number up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, make it. I think that's smart. I think keeping the sort of separation there from the get go uh, makes a lot of sense, um, and should go a long way to helping with with trust and just saying, hey, there, there's no possible ways um, we can influence this type of thing. Yeah, exactly. So when you look forward, I mean, you guys have made a lot of progress right now, but there's still more you want to do. What What do you see kind of on the horizon? What's the next kind of milestone that you're looking forward to that you're thinking, man, that's going to be great when we can get to that point? Well, we are primarily in in the you know crops um, and uh, fertilizers uh, as of right now in the U.S. I think that alone, uh, expanding that, we're already expanding into Europe and several countries in Europe. Uh, we're expanding in Australia, we're expanding in Brazil um, for not only crops, but also grazing and, you know, um, uh, protein data as well. Uh, but I think the real big thing is, is when we kind of unlock in the next coming months, um, you know, water and, you know, the conservation and the quality of, of water and, and how that kind of impacts the soil um, easily to kind of, well, I shouldn't say easy. I'm sure that that's uh, our internal team is going to roll my eyes at that comment, but 
you know, could be applicable to our model itself, um, but also the, the you know, uh, similar type of like exponential impact that we can have in the environment. I mean, obviously, California has gone through a, a series of, of rainstorms that kind of helped the current uh, drought status a little bit. Um, but has no, you know, by no means gotten us out of the out of the water crisis that we have. And so, you know, that's just like a double prong of like not only just you know affecting the soil and regenerative agriculture uh, from that standpoint on crops, but how much further we can do with water. Uh, and then you can think of all the other agricultural systems that can come that can follow as well that we can impact. Um, but those kind of areas are the main uh, focuses: geo expansion with our existing. And then new agricultural systems such as water and water quality uh, in the existing um, geos. That's cool. With regenerative ag, are there misconceptions that you run into from time to time that you know you would love to see go away or just explained or better understood? Um, you know, I, th I think from a regen standpoint, I I, th I think I, I haven't come across many uneducated folks uh, on that front. I think the more of it comes from the 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 carbon markets. Um, that seems to be where the you know the squishiness and the uncertainty and just the the frank you know wrong ways about doing things. Um, that's where the confusion kind of lies. Uh, so it's it's that, and then like the other aspect of it is really understanding the offset market. You know these companies in general that maybe are not touching. Um, the agricultural world as it stands today, but want to figure out ways to offset their current carbon emissions. Uh, so that's an interesting one uh, in general on making sure that that market is something that's really, are you making it net neutral um, by doing, are you continuing to do the practice that you're currently doing by polluting the environment because you're offsetting it over here? Or are you doing both, right? Are you trying to kind of minimize, um, you know, the right while also funding the left? Uh, that's where I see most of the um, the confusion line. Yeah. So for everyday consumers, we, you know, a lot of people have no idea like what progress is being made. I mean, they just, there's, there's things that are being done that are kind of not clued in on, but you have a chance to talk with a lot of sustainability folks at major, major brands, right? Mm -hmm. As you, as you talk with different brands who some are taking action, some, some maybe a little bit behind uh, in those conversations, are you encouraged by the progress where we're at today, or are you sort of discouraged by the lack of progress that other brands are? And, and man, those deadlines are going to come and go and they won't have done it. Like we're on the glass half full or half empty. Like, where are you at on that right now? Yeah. I mean, outside of the, the top ones that seem to be taking action, there is a lot of wait and see. Um, and that's discouraging to the point where they're looking for some other, you know, big brand to take the lead. Um, and then they'll, you know, don't worry, we'll, we'll be right behind you kind of mentality. And in something like climate, it feels like the reason why you're doing it is to take action, right? It's like, I'm going to run a marathon by June, right? But I'm going to wait for a running buddy uh, to get me out, out of the couch. And it's just, you know, do you really take that goal seriously, right? And that's the, that's the discouragement that I feel. So, and maybe that's just a lack of like where to go and how to take action that 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 um, that persona kind of needs some help with. And if that's the case, then, you know, hopefully that person will be engaged with having as many conversations about action as opposed to just awareness and talk. Um, and that that's where I think the um, the, you know, regrow can help in general. But, you know, other brands that are doing the same similar things, it's like anything that really encourages them to not just understand the abatement potential and the greenhouse gas emissions they can kind of reduce, but actually doing something about it. Cause, um, cause it really, you know, like I said before, the clock is ticking. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, that, that is interesting to think about. I, I wonder if the leaders are leading because that's what they do. That Hey, we lead. We take, we're going to take a lead on this. Or do they feel like a responsibility? Like a lot of eyes are going to be honest. We better do the right thing and get going versus lagging behind. Um, I don't know, but maybe a little bit of both. Maybe both. You know, I think that, I think we've gotten to a point where uh, the new buyers themselves, uh, the younger generation is, is much smarter. I have an 11 year old. Uh, I have two, uh, I have 11 year old is my oldest, but she's already being you know turned on about, uh, what, what brands and what, what is recyclable and what is, you know, what is compostable and like those aspects of it. So you can just see that generation, uh, already coming up with this as like common knowledge. And so, you know, the, the new generation of buyers in their twenties and early thirties, um, they're being way more, um, there was more brand loyalty for, for consumer brands that uh, are doing what they need to. And, um, and I think that they're holding people accountable to do that, you know, to include like not only just the the buyers themselves and the brands, but like those folks that that are going to work at a company, you know, they're going to be focused on companies that are B Corp certified as like a, you know, as table stakes. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's a good thing. So that that pressure comes from all angles on making sure there's relevancy of your of your you know company now and moving forward. Uh, and so, um, if it's just kind of comes down to business, uh, which I think it all always does and whether or not your business exists for the next 20 years, uh, I think it's really important to do the right thing. And that's, it's, uh, and I think that's, these brands have been feeling it, um, uh, from both angles, from a business standpoint, from a recruiting aspect and a rich attrition aspect where, you know, they're, they're being demanded to do, do the right thing at all angles. Yeah, it could be they have better research and a better feel for where the audiences are going and they want to get there first, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. that's purely business at that point. Yeah, I agree. That's cool. Uh, yeah, my 14-year-old, uh, every once in a while, she, she uh, hears who I'm interviewing on these podcasts. She's like, that's cool, dad. Like, <laughs> like oh, good. I'm glad you think that's cool too. So <laughs> That is cool. Yeah, as a side point, it was when I've worked for, uh, my last company was also a B Corp certified um, company as well. Um, but you know, this was the first time that I heard, I was in a conversation in the car, my eight-year-old and my 11-year-old were talking about what they want to be when they grow up. And my 11-year-old just literally said, I want to work for Regrow. Uh, and I was like, that's just like, you know, it might seem corny and whatnot, but I mean, these, these moments really make, you know, uh, make the motivation uh, that much more, you know, impactful. Absolutely, man. Like if you can't impress your kids with what you do, like, what's the point? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the good stuff. Uh, what you don't want them to say is I'm definitely not going to work there yeah. because yeah. they've heard complaints and things like that. So yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Well, on that note, what has been the most rewarding aspect uh, of your, with your time at Regrow so far? Uh, it's been, you know, we kind of alluded to the, the relationships with our customers. I think that's been really rewarding, uh, being included in that strategy moving forward as not, not just say, Hey, we're doing this, but it's a, Hey, we're doing this. What do you think type of, uh, type of conversation? Uh, I think the leadership team is being formed. Uh, and so being a part of like growing the team, uh, the go-to-market team is being grown as we speak. And so hiring folks that are, frankly, um, new to climate tech that are very accomplished and joining for very similar reasons that I joined, uh, but is getting a lot of exposure based on market conditions and climate tech is growing. And so we're, you know, we're seeing a little bit of the uh, the counter cyclical impact of that. And so that that's brought out a lot of attention and folks that, frankly, uh, we shouldn't be interviewing for jobs at a Series B company that are really interested in jumping into what we're doing and being a part of something special. 
Uh, and then, you know, just the, just the culture of uh, regrow is being, you know, we're all, we all need to, to be better at what we do, but I think that this um, fuels just the, the type of motivation um, that seems a little bit deeper than just hitting revenue goals for VCs that uh, fund, you know, it's a, uh, I think it's a, it's that extra layer of humanity that exists at a company like Regrow uh, that you don't see uh, at other companies. Yeah, and I think once you get a taste of it, you don't. It's hard to imagine doing anything without it. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, like you, we're all going to get like a scorecard of what we did in our careers, uh, and so you know if your scorecard scorecard is just a W two, um, that's pretty empty, you know. But what uh, what footprint are you leaving, and what impact have you made uh, for the folks that are right behind you? Yeah. And did your kids want to work there someday? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>